Welcome to the Connected Counseling Podcast, a place to talk about mental and emotional health issues and how to engage our lives with curiosity and compassion. Thanks for joining. I'm your host, Jesse Masson. I'm really excited today because this is the kickoff to the podcast for the Connected Counseling Podcast. Um, to and my, my goal is just really to share more with you, be an informal voice that um, allows me to be a little bit more, uh, whether approachable or maybe just a little less reserved. And really my goal here is to be um, as if we were sitting down at a coffee shop. So I, I like to expand upon things that I would normally talk about, whether it's um, expansions of short video clips I, I post on social media or things that I would talk about in a news my monthly newsletter that I send out um, or just simply talking with my clients if um, things I don't always get to share or speak from maybe a different angle um, so this is really it and the connected counseling podcast is an informal extension of my private counseling practice called Connected Counseling. Uh, not only am I the owner, but I'm also a practicing licensed therapist. Um, so in order to give you um, an understanding of the heartbeat of this podcast, I, I want to be transparent with what is behind my therapeutic approach to counseling. In, in this first episode, you get to hear my heart and how I approach therapy. Uh, this podcast will be a, a safe place to be a little informal, as I mentioned, as we get to know and care for issues that tend to come up in the counseling setting. Um, so with that, let's get started. Many people have asked me, Jesse, why Connected Counseling, um, the name, and, and what makes it different from any other counseling clinic or practice? Um, and so, I, I, man, I think that's a fair question. It's really it's really great. And, it, and in short, um, man, the heart behind Connected Counseling and seeing people served and not labeled is really a big uh, drive for me. I'm, I'm not anti-clinic. I'm not anti-insurance. Oh, um, I'm not anti. I don't do insurance. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But... Um, Really, the, the connected is is a dual meaning on there, and connected counseling because one, my first and foremost, my goal with the idea of being connected is such an important aspect. People need to be connected in a foundational way of understanding who they are, the holistic uh, elements of one's own health, which I'll get into that and. In future podcast, uh, but simply physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual, and th those are components of any one person. The way we're created, the way we're designed, um, we, we cannot disregard one aspect of ourselves and pretend in any meaningful way that we're okay, we're healthy, or we're doing just fine. All of this, like it, needs to be interconnected intrapersonally. And then the second way is simply the connected means um, part of my philosophy is that healthy 
quality and sound counseling ought to be accessible and available to anyone, anywhere. In fact, if you go onto my website at connectedcounseling.online, uh, you'll see that um, within my, uh, on the opening page, I mean, my slogan is get connected, stay healthy, but I want to be accessible and affordable as a professional Christian counselor. That's my heart behind it. And so whether you are someone, an expatriate living overseas as a businessman or with a working with a local nonprofit um, and you don't have a grasp on the, the cultural language there and yet you are needing and trying to seek out health um, for your mental health, emotional health, um, but with someone who can speak English with you and who has a grasp of it, that's where I come in. I, I do help people in different parts of the world. I have clients in different countries. Um, and I think that's very ethical. I think that's very caring. And I'm straight up unequivocally, uninhibitedly um, advertised as a Christian counselor. So th there's no gimmicks there. Um, it's just coming alongside someone. So that's really why connected counseling uh, stuck out to me as it encapsulates not just the name of wanting to connect with my clients, but also teaching my clients how to be connected with, with themselves and reading themselves in a healthy, appropriate way, but also to entice the idea that I can be connecting with you as a client, regardless of location. So that's that's the great thing about today's technological age. Um, so the heart behind Connected Counseling is really seeing people served, not labeled. Um, connected lives, like I said, is just an important factor of for health and stability. In fact, when we don't feel connected internally, that that's really uh, that can be panicky or exhausting or very anxiety-inducing. And we want a bit of continuity and consistency. And those things really start to be the foundation and the, the points of security. We need that. We are people who are very highly complicated, yet we foundationally are people who need security. Um, it's in our DNA, and we are also created in our DNA to be connected with one another. But we cannot be connected with one another unless we have an understanding of how to be healthily connected within ourselves. Understanding the different points of our health and taking care of that. Rather than not knowing which, man, it, if I were to be what I tell people is my personal thought is all fear at its root has a core of unknown. There's an element of unknown in someone that really is the seed to fear. And we're not going to get rid of all the unknowns in our life or in our community or in our families or in our relationships, but we don't need to. To be healthy, we just need to know how to healthily deal with our 
unknowns. Um, so we need to connect our life stories for ourselves and in relationship with others as we are created for connection. Right? I, I believe I see that not only practically as I see that in couples in my office or clients in my office wrestling with the necessity of of being healthy in their connection in their relationships to the people that they value um so connected counseling um, better serves its clients by allowing virtual connection or tele teletherapy um if not able to do it in person as, as a means to rallying around and with the people I sit with. That's really my heartbeat. That's where my passion is. Um, man, this, this might be a dangerous thing because I, I, I am now uninhibitedly sitting in front of a microphone and I get to talk about mental and emotional health. I geek out about this and I love it. And this might just be a, a dry, a dry spell of a podcast, and maybe it's just the audience of of one, and it just ends up being me. But I tell you what, I am more than happy to field questions that come in, and from anyone who ever wants to talk more, or anyone says, hey "Man, Justin, tell me about your thought." Great, let's do that. Um, I love sitting with people listening, and I love sitting and talking about ways to understand the mental and emotional health um, complexities. So another part of why connected counseling, what makes it different from any other counseling uh, practice or clinic is, uh, as I've already alluded to, the, the Christian ethics and professional training. I, so I'm going to tell you, I see myself as what's known to be an integrationist. Um, there are, on this scale, if you think of the sliding scale here, on one end of the spectrum, you have newthetic counseling, which is going to be someone who um, is going to, a, a counselor who's going to approach issues systematically, thematically, um, strictly from a biblical concept, a not just a biblical concept, but using biblical principles and the Bible as its primary source for addressing things, which I do not have a uh, something against that. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I, I I feel like I can move away from that and not call myself antithetical to the gospel, just as much as someone who finds pain in their stomach and they go to see their physical health doctor instead of just treating themselves or going to a biblical chapter verse to apply healing and understanding, right? I don't shame someone for going to the doctor and say, man, ye of little faith, you failed. And in the same way, I don't fail or view someone um, with a disregard who says, man, I'm really struggling with my, with my marriage, or I'm really struggling with this crippling sense of fear and anxiety, and I would like to go talk to a mental health professional, or maybe more so rather than my pastor. I'm not saying, wow, 
what a weak faith you have. I'm saying, what well, that's really healthy of you to be curious about that and to really look to see what you can absorb. That would be healthy. Now, so that's a new thetic or a, a Christian counseling Bible only approach on one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, you can think of it as um, maybe closer, someone that might be closer to that would be um, Freud, right? Like Sigmund Freud, who had some pretty whack ideas of what everything meant. And I think it was really limiting, actually, to find that as a, as a psychologist, we try taking the God of the universe out of the equation who created us, who um, knows us. And yet he wanted to, really feels like in an overgeneralized way, wanted to boil everything down to whether or not one's needs in a hypersexualized way were met or not. I think that misses it too. So I know these are really grotesque um, examples in a way of putting these thoughts on the spectrum here, but I, I'm neither new nor am I a secularist. Um, man, I think the secularist misses the mark and it is not a holistic and healthy uh, approach to bring healing for the client either. So I'm an integrationist. And as you can tell, it's in the middle there. And if you think of um, one's Christian faith and the source of that um, being rooted in faith in Jesus, uh, in the God of this universe, and his word being the Bible, think of that as a filter. And everything else needs to be poured over and through that filter. And basically anything that sticks in that filter is really worth its weight. That's what I want to get at. For example, um, I, I would see it as uh, a way my, an old professor of mine and, and, a, and a true mentor for me, um, his name's Dr. Larry Cornine, he would always say, man, we want to be biblically prescriptive and clinically descriptive. And I so appreciated that. And that's really formed me in a way of, yeah, everything that I approach, everything that I read, everything that I take in as a trained professional and ongoing uh, education and these and circumstances that I deal with with my clients, I want to bring in the latest, greatest knowledge and information that our human brains have conceived and are able to process. But I want to make sure that the biases are filtered out through one that I know and trust to be unbiasedly steadfast, and that is the gospel. That is God himself. And so my, my knowledge has to be filtered through my Christian faith. Um, so I, things for an example would be like mindfulness, mindfulness. That's a great area where I can be in the middle of the road. One end of the spectrum as a new thetic or, or Bible only therapist would say mindfulness is mindfulness is a wrong approach. It's believing in yourself, 
And I would say, no, I don't think that's it. And then you look at the other end of the spectrum and the, the secularist would say, mindfulness is a great approach. It's everything you need is within and you can, you are in control of your destiny. And it's almost like a Zen Buddhist type of check out of, you know, let's just hum and, and say a mantra. And I don't believe that either. But I do believe mindfulness is when I can be in control of my mind, where even scripture talks about in First Peter, uh, being of sound mind, right? Like God calls us to not only meditate on his word, but we even in First Peter talks about that. And even the same book also is talking about yet uh, be of sober mind, meaning be in control, be actively um, and proactively involved with the things that you know. Don't slip out and be just whom calm and numbing out. Like the Christian faith doesn't call us to have a blank slate brain and calling that healthy mindfulness. Actually, our our Christian faith calls us to have a very active state of mindfulness, meaning the things that we know, think of these things, think on these things. Uh, whatever's true, whatever's good, whatever's noble is of good repute, we are called to dwell on these things. And so that is actually, as an integrationist, I would say, man, mindfulness can be a very key clinical approach, but let's filter it through the biblical knowledge that says, hey, let's remind ourselves of who we are in Christ as new creations. The old has gone, the new has come. And that is quite comforting when I am in the midst of struggling with anxiety, when I feel the fear of being out of control with an unknown factor, I can say, whew, in my mindfulness, I, I can rest assured that the one who created me knows all things. And certainly if he knows all things, then he is not thrown off by the things that I don't know. That is my approach as an integrationist. I want to be biblically prescriptive, yet clinically descriptive, meaning I want to find ways that science, psychology are saying, man, this is really matching up. Let's use this. This is a way that we can access what God has already given us. Um, so, man, that might have been a little long there. But that, that's really one aspect, uh, I mean, really a foundational aspect of my practice and of this podcast will be me as an integrationist, um, as in principle, in person and professionally. Um, and with that, though, and I, I constantly tell my clients and my new clients um, I think it's really important to tell my new clients within the first couple, if not the first sessions, is that there's hope. And Jesus wants healing as much as you, the client who wants healing, and as much as me, the therapist, want this to work and to be helpful and healing for you. Guess what? Jesus wants that even more. And my faith says, look, Let's not put my hope in me 
the therapist. I am a finite person. But let me tell you, not only through personal experiences in my life and other people in my life and professionally, I can see that there's hope beyond me and the things that work that are beyond my ability is that Jesus is in the business of redeeming, renewing, and restoring. I know that firsthand, and I tell my clients unashamedly that, look, if Jesus can take a schmuck like me and turn my life around, um, that just is a testimony to his goodness, his grace, and his ability to reach deeper than my dysfunction then walk out of my office with a lot more hope knowing that that's possible for you too. Right? That's what I have to heal is I get to be a steward or a messenger or a liaison person for my client who is searching for a comfort beyond where they've found themselves. And some of my clients are Christians. Some of my clients are not Christian. But here's the good news. You don't have to view this as a secret club. You don't have to be a Christian. A practicing Christian in faith is not required for us to sit down and talk. In fact, I will honor a client who says, look, I, I don't want to talk about God or I don't know what I think of that whole Jesus stuff. Um, I'll say, great, that's fine. I'm not going to make that a, that a central for you. But for me, I, I cannot sever or separate those two things. In fact, I'm going to give you the hope that I have. And that's up to you whether or not you want to take it. In fact, that's, what, that's the only thing I can do with any of my clients is say, here's something that I think would be really good and fitting, and that's up to you whether or not you want to carry that with you out of my office today, right? I can only ever do that. I can only ever make suggestions because I don't have control over anyone, but I cannot separate the source of my hope and pretend like I'm giving someone an equal portion between client A or client B. <clears throat> Excuse me, if client A is a Christian and client B is not, I don't change what I present to them because in all ethical means and sense of it, I am presenting what I believe in my best clinical judgment is the best hope. And it might look like this, and it might sound different, but it is essentially the same. Man, clients who are in my counseling for marriage, I might say, man, you client set A who are professing believers, look, we know that God designed marriage, and, and we know that we're to honor one another. So this isn't my mandate. In fact, this isn't even your mandate to each other. This is God's mandate to both of you. Love your wife well and wife, love your husband well. 
right? I, I get to use that because I believe, not because I want to throw something at them, commands, but I believe that that is actually the way that the marriage will work best, the way that it's designed. I don't get to come in and rewrite the rules. I don't get to say, man, I yeah, that does sound right. Uh, I'm convicted that, yeah, the guy gets to do whatever he wants and the woman just needs to subject to that. No, that's not what I think and nor is that what I am taught through the Bible. Now, if I go to the client couple uh, set B who don't profess faith in God, they might be coming talking about, man, the constant bickering and arguing and conflict as well. But I might say same thing but tailored differently is, hey, I don't know how you view marriage, but let me just share with you, like me as a Christian, I believe this. I believe like the the husband is called to love and serve his wife. And I believe the wife is called to love and respect her husband. Um, I believe that's the way God designed it, to make the marriage work and function at its greatest for your good and his glory. His glory being the one who designed this institution of marriage really likes to see that reflected well. So it gets it gets um, the same way, just presented differently. But my Christian ethics and professional training will always come through in an integrated way because I believe that is what best serves my clients in, in the way that I see myself interacting with clients, being a good steward of what I have, my faith, my training, my personal convictions, and my desire to serve clients well. Hey everyone, thanks for listening thus far. I don't really have a cool transition at all, so this might sound really broke, but I also know that it's worth giving your ears a break. I don't want this to be a long, drawn-out segment, so I'm just I'm just cutting it shorter into two shorter episodes. Continuing in the next episode, I'll be finishing up my content on um, my practice, what's behind this Connected Counseling podcast, and myself. So continue listening, and I look forward to sharing a little bit more of my heart with you, and catch you on the next one. It takes great courage to be curious and make healthier connections in your mental and emotional life. If that's you, then I have great respect for where you are at in life's journey. I welcome comments or questions to today's episode for further interaction. If you like today's episode, please rate it. And of course, subscribe to the Connected Counseling Podcast. Thanks for joining today. Get connected. Stay healthy.